Well, hello from Maui, Hawaii, and welcome to this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner, your host every Sunday for this class. Happy to be here. Coming up on two years without having missed a single event. Uh, I was thinking about that the other day, how cool that is. That, uh, right through the holidays, a couple of times I had to travel to the mainland, and yet the technology is such that we were able to do the event uh, wherever we happened to be. And I'm happy about that. The fact that all of these programs are recorded and available as a podcast or streaming audio is also something I want to promote. And that these programs are always free, and that my website, theagelesswisdom.com, is also ad-free, largely thanks to people like you who are supporters or contributors at our uh, Focused Passion site. This is the home of a premium personal development audio program called Finding Yourself in Paradise that's hosted by my partner of 30-plus years, Steve Snyder, and myself. This is a studio-quality podcast because it's not done live. We have to, in order to do this webinar live, do it by telephone, of course. But uh, the premium audio is studio-quality, It's Steve and I together having what we call meaningful conversation or compelling conversation along with guided meditation. It's like this program, but I think doubly good because there's two of us. And we ask all of 99 cents for it. So if you can see your way clear to subscribe at 99 cents a week, you can unsubscribe and resubscribe anytime you want with a single click of your mouse, all the controls to manage your account are on your account page. And if you could join those of us who are supporting everything that we do by subscribing to this podcast, I'm talking about finding yourself in paradise, just go to focusedpassion.com. After today's class, when you get a chance, Remember the ED, it's the w's.focusedpassion.com. There's uh, eight or nine excerpts on the landing page. There are six free, complete programs, including four accelerated learning programs you're going to want your kids to have. All of that is free when you leave an email. And then to subscribe at 396 or 395, what is it? I think it's three ninety six a month, ninety nine cents a week. Um, that that uh, allows you to grow your collection, uh, forward the programs just like you can forward these programs, and uh, share them with your friends, and grow that collection. It's a library of programs you'll use for the rest of your life as you get better and better at developing who you are. Plus, you have the satisfaction of knowing you're supporting the majority of people who um, who, who never subscribe, and that's okay. Um, when I started at KPFK in the early 1990s, I think 90, 1992 in Los Angeles, KPFK is a listener-supported nonprofit station. Uh, their research indicated about one in 13 listeners subscribed. 
one in 13. By the time I left, 14 years later, we had it down to one in eight, which I thought was pretty good. And if I could get one in eight of you to subscribe for 99 cents a week, we could cover all of our broadband costs and make sure we're always ad-free. If you feel the need to be one of the seven out of eight, that's fine. You know, times are tough. If you don't have the 99 cents, I understand. But uh, if you can see your way clear, if you're one of the fortunate ones, then you can help everybody else. And I know it's not a lot of money, and it might sound silly for me to go on about it when it's only a 99 cents, 3.96 a month, 99 cents a week. But uh, that's what helps pay for all of this. So on this side, the ageless wisdom in this program, this will always be free. And as long as it's up and running, and we have every intention of keeping that so. So hope you'll check out both websites, theagelesswisdom.com. Lots of free content. And Focused Passion, with an E-D, the W's.FocusedPassion.com. All kinds of free articles, as I mentioned before, Six full programs. At least get the free programs by leaving your email address. Give the four on accelerated learning to your kids or the children of your friends. Uh, never been more important that children learn how to learn, and that's what these programs are. It's called the Family Learning Hour, and uh, it, it's it's very cool. All of that's free as well, so help yourself. Today's program is Six Easy Ways to Know Yourself. I was thinking this morning and talking to a friend about why we should know ourselves. Uh, and what does that even mean? Uh, you know, I, I've spent my whole career talking to people about better understanding who they are, about discovering the truth of their identity, their genuine, authentic nature, and about three out of four people, you can see their eyes glaze over. Three out of four people have no idea what I'm talking about or anybody else in the personal development field, which is a large and growing industry because it's so needed. But we're pulling on a minority of the population that recognizes and is willing to admit that they don't really understand themselves very well that all of us have spent so much of our lives trying to please other people, to cater to the whims and desires of other people, worried excessively about what other people think and feel about us. Uh, I had a client the other day, we were laughing about the word self-conscious, that the meaning of self-conscious has gone from being aware of yourself to being worried about what other people think of you. <laughs> it's hilarious if you think about it that the word self-conscious has come to mean a concern about what other people think. That's not self-conscious. It's just the opposite. If you were self-conscious, it wouldn't matter what other people think. Don't you understand? Uh, so uh, the conversation I had earlier this morning was... Uh, uh, my friend Carol, we were saying that, well, there's probably two primary areas where we can look for the benefits. One would be career, the need to know yourself in terms of finding 
not another job, but a real career. The jobs are gone, gang, and most of them are not coming back. Right? They're really not. They've they've been uh, exported overseas. The people in the third world are now doing those jobs, and so the whole nature of employment is changing. And to develop some entrepreneurial skills, to consider self-employment, uh, and then to look at what you really love to do. Um, that's what you're going to be best at, is what you love to do. And as you get better and better, you're going to love it even more, and that's going to allow you to be better and better at it. So it all begins with, do you know the truth of yourself? If you put aside all of the roles and characters that you play when you try to please other people, that was a necessary strategy in childhood, of course, but we can give that up in adulthood. It becomes codependence, and uh, everybody's life gets messed up then. It's like driving your car based on what somebody else's dashboard says. <laughs> You've got to pay attention to your own dashboard your own gauges, and look out your own windshield if you're going to be any good at uh, determining your direction and getting to your destination safely. Um, to drive a car based on what other people think is not going to work. And to live your life based on what you think other people think uh, is just crazy. That's why it's not working. And then the other area, of course, is relationships. Why should I know myself better? Well, so that I can show the people that I'm interested in romantically, or even if just a matter of, you know, agape, um, or, or, you know, the three kinds of love, eros, agape, and philos. Friendship actually is philos. Uh, so whether it's eros or philos, whether it's romance or just, you know, having some good friends, that you're not romantic or intimate with, but some pals or buddies or girlfriends, right? You still have to decide to show them your authentic nature. And that's risky unless and until you've begun to explore behind the roles, behind the masks that we wear and discover the authentic self. And as for the three out of four that still don't get it or aren't willing to do it, well, I don't know. We'll just keep appealing to you and and hope we can chip away at that number. Um, the world can be changed in a significant way, even if the majority of the population does not understand what we're talking about. It doesn't take everybody. It will not take a majority, just some significant percentage of women and men to say, oh, I am my conscious awareness. I am my consciousness. And my consciousness has a conscience. And I do have values and ethics and priorities. And they're unfolding. I'm getting better every day. I'm, I'm becoming kinder and gentler and more loving. And, and I'm very excited about that. I want to share it with other people. 10% of the world maybe 12% of the world, what if 15% of the world dedicated themselves to being kind and loving, to resolving all disputes nonviolently, 
to see every problem as an opportunity to learn. And at the center of it all was dedicated to knowing themselves as the unique and genuine and authentic individual that you are. There's, as I like to say, fingerprint evidence and DNA proof that there's nobody exactly like you. Why would you live your whole life, throw your life away, without ever wanting to realize the truth of who you are and then develop what you've begun to discover, to know yourself, to grow yourself, to express the truth of who you are lovingly and creatively out into the world. And then the final element, to do that in service to other people, that brings meaning to life. It's the only thing that matters, right? To know yourself, to grow yourself, to express that genuine self lovingly and creatively in the world in service to other people. There you go. So let's take a look at our six steps, six easy ways to know yourself, and um, then we'll go to the questions and comments, and uh, we'll finish with a guided meditation. And again, the goal, which I haven't been meeting lately, is to keep it under 90 minutes. Lately, we've gone a little more than that, but I'm going to try to rein myself in a little. And we'll finish with the guided imagery and your questions and comments, either by text or telephone. If you're listening to my voice now live on this, um, what is today, the 5th, let's see, the 17th. That's right. Today's January 17th of 2010. Um, so if you're listening to me live now, you already know that you have the option of listening by web or by uh, telephone. Keep in mind the web feed is delayed about 15 seconds. So if you go to the phone, you'll be surprised to hear that little time shift. So I thought I'd mention it. And in a few minutes, we'll take your questions and comments. You can either press star 2 on the telephone touchpad to raise your hand and be acknowledged on the phone, or on the web page in front of you, click on the button that says Ask a Question to bring up the little text window. Type your comment or your question in there, along with your name and your city, and then finish by pressing Submit. And we'll do that in just a few minutes. Let's talk about this uh, six easy ways to know yourself. Um, you know, in writing titles for books or lectures or presentations like this, classes, uh, we often hear the six secrets to or the five ladders to or the four pillars or the three keys, and I'm using steps, but I, you know, I'm not sure how else to explain this, except these are six different entry points. There's another word we could use to describe these six areas I'm going to review for you here today, or six approaches. How about that? Six approaches to understanding yourself. 
any one of which will have enormous value. But to work on several, and ideally on all of these approaches at the same time, would certainly be in your interest. I was thinking about, in in naming the program uh, Six Easy Ways to Know Yourself, I was thinking, well, these are sort of like planks in a platform, except that that has such a political connotation that I decided not to use it. But, you know, politicians or political parties, when the election rolls around, they'll have a, a platform that they run on, and the various points in that platform they call planks, like the wooden boards you use to build a stage that people stand on. The metaphor is pretty clear. And maybe that's what I have here, are six planks in a platform from which we can know ourselves. Having said that much, I'll leave it to you to describe, to best understand for yourself what I mean by six easy ways to know who you are, six easy ways to know yourself. Um, Are they points? Yeah. Are they bullet points? Sure. Uh, Are they keys or principles or pillars? Uh, Yeah, sure. (laughs) Label them any way you want. The very first one, and I really encourage you to take some notes. Uh, if you if you can, I understand if you're listening on the cell and you're mobile, or um, some people are shopping, uh, listening on the Bluetooth headset and multitasking. So you may not be able to write this stuff down, but if you're sitting uh, in a place where you can make some notes, might be a good idea. Number one is self-esteem. Self-esteem. Self-esteem is uh, three things, I think, basically. Hold on a sec here. Let me... Good Hawaiian coffee. The, um, the center of self-esteem, or I guess simply so the meaning of self-esteem, is knowing who you really are, because everybody has value. Everybody has any number of characteristics, of talents, or gifts, or abilities that allow them to be individuals. And it should follow logically, if you're going to have some areas where you excel, then there are going to be other areas in your life where you do not excel, and most likely where you do not have an interest. Those two seem to go along. It's not always true, but it's often true that we're most interested, or the areas in in which we're most interested are areas of life where we do have these particular gifts and talents and abilities. And then something that does not intrigue you at all, doesn't catch your attention in the slightest, just happens to be an area where you don't have any real talent or gift anyway. Again, that that's not always true, but often is true. So if we're going to begin with self-esteem, what is, what is self-esteem? Well, I think it's confidence, 
self-confidence, self-trust, and self-respect. So confidence, trust, and respect add up to esteem. We can also call it self-love, except that, again, I don't think very many people are comfortable with the idea of loving themselves. And when you use a word like self-love, or maybe it's two words, I think it's usually hyphenated, so it's really one word. It's a unique kind of love, self-love. Um, gosh, I just don't think most people are ready for it. If you use Google or some other search means of, um, you know, examining the different forms of love, what have philosophers and poets and and others had to say about the nature of love down through the ages, self-love is pretty much missing. It's really not there. Uh, the classic model of love from the Greek is eros, philos, and agape. These are all Greek words, so this goes back two, 3,000 years. Eros, of course, runs a gamut from lust, really primitive, animal-based lust, all the way up through really sweet, romantic, intimate love. Uh, with high qualities of communication and tenderness. Anything that is in the area from lust to, to romance is eros. So this is spousal love, partnership love, right? Philos, on the other hand, philos, root word philosophy, is brotherly love. This is friendship. This is, uh, you know... Women and their girlfriends, guys and their buddies, sometimes there's crossover, uh, couples and their friends who are couples, uh, people you know at work, people you know from your service clubs and other social activities, um, that's generally uh, philos. And it does beg the question, where do the family members that I love like family, but more than friends fall. And it's it's sort of in between, betwixt in between, depends on who you ask. But generally, because of the nature of the word eros, uh, your uncles and your aunts, uh, your cousins and others you love in your family, that tends still to be categorized as philos, not eros, because there's no... Uh, physical intimacy uh, involved. And then the third type of love agape is, um, of course, divine love. This is um, a spiritual love. This is unconditional love. This is love for no reason. This is love above and beyond reason, where you uh, understand the more refined or higher frequencies of love as a spiritual force, uh, an agent of transformation and and growth and healing that connects all seemingly separated things to a common spiritual source. That's agape love. All right. Where is self-love in all of that? It's not even there. Now, self-esteem does get a bad rap. About ten years ago or so, 
there was a very important commission on self-esteem in the state of California, empowered by the legislature, financed by the legislature to the tune of many millions of dollars. And they took a beating in the press. Even Doonesbury jumped on them and beat them up badly, and they were misportrayed. The right wing ran with it and misportrayed it as a study that says uh, everybody... Uh, that, that self-esteem is fragile and that students should be socially promoted whether they could pass the test or not, whether they can read or not. Don't harm their self-esteem. Everybody gets an A. No grades. You have a sports contest. Everybody gets an award. Everybody is a winner. And that's not true. That's not at all um, found in the curriculum of self-esteem development so if we're going to just talk about self-esteem without the word self-love in it at all then what it comes down to is confidence trust and respect i i, I think self-confidence self-trust and self-respect are you confident that you can do what you say you're going to do are you willing to do what you say you're going to do. Can you trust yourself to do it? All right. And are you in touch with what it means to respect yourself? I'm not sure how we can trust other people or respect other people if we don't have self-trust and self-respect first. In fact, I don't know how you could love another person beyond your capacity or your willingness to first love yourself. But again, as I've already stated, that's confusing. You can imagine yourself perhaps looking into the face of one who's dear to you and saying, I love you. But if I asked you to stand in front of the mirror and say, I love you, you'd feel silly. <laughs> There's no way you'd do that. It would just be some stupid exercise that Michael had me do. Uh, that's why we work in, in my practice with the inner child. If you close your eyes, meditate, and visualize yourself as a child of about three, four, five years old, right? four years old plus or minus a few months, and imagine loving yourself as a child before school. It's got to be before kindergarten, before they started to judge you and grade you and group you and teach you how to compete with your fellow students uh, before the trauma of school. <laughs> if we can find that four-year-old and love that person, the person you were, or I like to say the person you are at the age of four, it's much easier to imagine embracing that child and hugging that child and loving that child as you would love uh, any other child. Most people love their own kids much more than they love themselves. And um, yet, by loving yourself, you have more love to give to your children. Why that's not more clear, I'm not sure. I spent my whole life studying this, and much of it remains baffling. Why people don't see that, that, that you could not love another person, a child uh, or adult. 
regardless of the relationship, you cannot love another beyond the love you have for yourself. Where would you find it? Uh, and you likewise could not receive love from another beyond your capacity or willingness to love yourself. How would you recognize it? How would you know what to do with it? How many of us know the feeling of wondering what a person means when they say to us, I love you? And you think, well, what's their real agenda? Why are they saying that? Or, um, I guess I really got this person fooled. They think I'm lovable. Boy, I hope I don't do anything to, to mess it up here because I got them fooled into thinking I'm lovable. They see something in me that I haven't found yet. <laughs> Maybe I should ask them what it is. No, better not do that. So don't you see that this is where it's got to begin? And yet, because the whole concept of loving yourself is so off-putting, so alien, there's a strange way of describing self-love, alien, uh, so new and different and bizarre, and so frightening. I guess that's what it comes down to. So terrifying for most people that I'm going to avoid using the word and in its place use self-esteem and define it as self-confidence, self-trust, and self-respect. So self-esteem as these three elements, self-confidence, self-trust, and self-respect, I'm going to suggest is the first plank in the platform of knowing yourself. You cannot fully understand yourself without realizing, discovering, and then developing an understanding of that self. And the respect and the trust and the confidence that would naturally follow on. All right, number two may seem a little unusual at first, but I'm going to do my best to make an argument for it here. And that's the whole idea of knowing yourself through brainwave states or through levels of consciousness or awareness. I'm going for the coffee a sec here. Hold on. I think my favorite reason to call this webinar a class rather than a program is to give me permission to uh, have some coffee every once in a while. If this were a radio program, that would be dead air. <laughs> Let's relax and all enjoy ourselves here. Well, what do we mean by brainwave states? Let me just read a little bit from a handout I prepared that I will send to you if you email me at the end of the event today. Uh, just send an email to my initials, MB, like Michael Benner, at theagelesswisdom.com and ask for the six steps from today's class. And I'll send you this little handout. It's just a one-page uh, handout. I'll put it in the PDF, and that way everybody will be able to open it. All right. Uh, MB at theagelesswisdom.com. Send me that handout on the six easy ways to know yourself, and I'll fire that back to you as a PDF file. And so from the handout, the second way is the brainwave states, the 
the mind is at its peak when it generates brain waves between 7 and 13 cycles per second. The mind is at its peak when the frequency of the brain waves you generate is about 10 cycles plus or minus. It's a state of focused attention, laser beam intelligence between awake and asleep. It's a mental state often referred to as mindfulness. Sometimes it's called a detached state of mind, but don't confuse that with dissociated. To detach from thoughts and feelings, to detach from behavior, is not to turn away and become dissociated. It's to take a step back by relaxing, essentially, and feeling even safer, taking one step back to understand more completely and holistically the problem or the circumstance or the event that you're trying to understand. Mindfulness or detachment is the step back to see the bigger picture. Don't confuse detachment with dissociation. And, of course, generally, this alpha brainwave state, 10 cycles, plus or minus a few, is uh, known as higher consciousness or expanded awareness. Those words are used, in most cases, interchangeably. To be conscious is to be aware. To be aware is to be conscious. I suppose we could talk about uh, sentience, to be sentient. Um, we could talk about Descartes, I think, therefore I am, or uh, my friend David Viscott, the radio shrink, used to say, I feel, therefore I am. Uh, sentience is not really a thought or a feeling. It's an awareness that I am, right? Uh, it's an awareness that, look, my brain is thinking these thoughts, but I'm more than my brain thinking these thoughts. I'm more than my emotional nature feeling these feelings, I can actually be aware of the process. I can watch the process. I can, even if my thinking is not applied purposefully to a specific task, like reading, I push away from the computer, I sit back in the chair and close my eyes, your mind still runs on with thoughts and feelings as if it has a mind of its own, right? You are not that either. You can learn in the alpha brainwave state, go a little deeper, a little more relaxed, take a nice slow deep breath, feel safe, a letting go in the muscles of your body. You get to a place where you become mindfully aware of those thoughts and feelings, as if you've climbed up a little hill and looking down on where you were before. And you can see down below you more completely, more inclusively, the situation that you were in from this elevated perspective. That elevated perspective is the expanded awareness or higher consciousness that you've always heard about. It is the alpha brainwave level. It is 10 cycles, plus or minus. And let me give you a sense of how it relates to the whole scale of brainwaves. 
When you sleep, your brain waves are less than seven cycles per second. In deep non-dream sleep, the frequency of brain waves naturally falls below four cycles per second. It's like one to four cycles. Deep non-dream sleep, the so-called delta range. Four to seven cycles or so, roughly, these are rather arbitrary divisions, is the so-called theta brainwave level. And this is where we dream and if we ever visit theta with conscious awareness, you find it's associated with very vivid imagery, sometimes called hypnagogic imagery. Uh, if your daydreams ever got really vivid and seemed to be telling you a story, uh, and you could picture things really cr with, with crisp clarity and definite color and strong emotional affect, you're probably in theta, okay, four to seven cycles per second. Alpha is the next range, which is seven to 13, and so 10 would be roughly the center of alpha. This is concentration. This is paying attention. But you got to understand that concentration is a relaxation skill. you you can't make an effort to concentrate because it'll have exactly the opposite effect. Uh, concentration is the result of consciously and deliberately not making an effort, but rather allowing the brain and the body to feel safe enough to explore the state of relaxation and mental focus. And then anything greater than 13 cycles, all the way up to the high 30s, the upper threshold we believe to be about 40 cycles per second. This is the beta range. And you can see this is the vast majority. This is everything above 13 cycles, uh, plus the 20s and the 30s, all the way up to 40. This is the top two-thirds, top three-quarters of the whole spectrum is beta and that's awake, alert. It's, it's like alpha in that it's awake and alert and aware, but it's unlike alpha in that your attention is scattered. You're easily distracted. Maybe a doctor told you you had ADD. Chances are there may be such a thing, but I know the majority of what's being called ADD is just high stress and anxiety. Uh, it's the brain worrying rapidly, uh, incessantly, trying to find the danger in the environment around you because you're carrying muscular tension in your body. When your breathing is shallow and you carry muscular tension, the brain will dedicate itself to finding the danger. And you say, well, why does my brain do that? Why, why can't I turn it off? Why is it constantly churning out all of this worry and all of this negativity? And the answer is because your breathing is shallow and your body is tense. You're reacting to confusion that the brain doesn't see as confusion, but rather is potentially dangerous. 
in order to get the brain to stop doing that, <laughs> we have to lower the brain waves. Okay? And you can do that. You can function in your daily life and affairs in the alpha brainwave level or pretty darn close to it. You want to be down around 10 cycles ideally when you close your eyes, but even after you open your eyes with a little practice, you can stay in the upper teens or low 20s. It's when we begin to get overstimulated and try too hard and, and get confused that our breathing gets shallow, our muscles unconsciously tighten, and the brain waves then go into the mid-20s, the upper 20s, the lower 30s, the mid-30s, and that's panic attack territory up there. See, This is more than mood. This is more than attitude. This is more than emotional feeling. This is more than the speed at which your brain operates, though all those things are affected. You've got to have a basic understanding of these four channels of brain waves and uh, understand that there is extraordinary, there, there are numerous benefits that come from aligning yourself, so to speak. It's like uh, the alpha brainwave level, 10 cycles roughly per second, is an alignment. That's really the best way to think of it. That's where the path that the life force or the spiritual energy that animates and illumines you comes into the physical body with the least amount of resistance. Okay, how about that? It's like the faucet is most wide open. You want water to come out of your kitchen sink, you turn the faucet. What are you doing? Lowering the resistance to the flow of water. What is the alpha brainwave level? A point just beyond where you'd fall asleep and become unconscious, just above that point where you're conscious, but you have the least resistance to the flow of energy through you. If the brain waves go higher because you're overstimulated or distracted by the physical world, by sense and sensation, by confusion and the implication that there's fear and danger in all of that, uh, the brain waves are going to go higher, your attention will be scattered, and every thought, every task that you attempt to put your attention on will be getting but a fraction of what would otherwise be available. Attention in alpha at the 10 cycle per second level is a laser beamed attention. It's focused. All right. Learn about brain waves. Number three, the third easy way to understand yourself, the third step, is to be responsible for your life, to make choices, and to see problems as opportunities to learn. Okay? So number three I call choices. And then in parentheses I put responsibility slash opportunity. Um, reading from the little bit of copy I have on this handout, life is not only what's done to you, but more importantly, what you choose to do with it. 
substituting even-tempered, well-reasoned responses for unconscious, knee-jerk reactions is what we're talking about here. I posted a comment on Facebook yesterday that uh, life is like a game of dice. It's important to know what you want, but if you don't get the numbers you were hoping for, you have to make the best out of the role that you did get. And yet it's still important when you pick up the dice again to know what you want. It increases the odds. And yet you don't always get what you want. <laughs> so the follow-on is true as well. I didn't get what I wanted, so now, are you a backgammon player? You know what I'm talking about. Now i got to make the best out of this role. There's three or four things I, I could do. I don't like any of them, so I'll do the best I can. That's that, that's That's what we're saying here. Only I'm saying life is less about what's done to you than it is about what you do with it. How much of our lives are we going to spend trapped in a belief that we really are victims or targets of life? And try to find some solace in that, some benefit in all of that, by seeking sympathy from other people. This is most conversations most of the time. Um, somebody will appeal for sympathy by talking about how horrible their lives are, and after listening, one of the people they're talking to will respond by saying, oh, that's nothing. Uh, let me tell you about how miserable my life is. I can outdo your misery. I'm way more miserable than you are. After a few minutes, a third person chimes in and says, what are you guys kidding? I'm way more miserable than either of you two. My life, I'm in real pain. All right. That's what you call living. You know? If, if that's what you want. Or you can empower yourself by saying, this is what was done to me. This is the situation I found myself in, whether I created it or contributed to it or or was totally a victim of it. I don't know. But I do know I can choose my response. Choice, number three. Incredibly important, incredibly powerful. The existentialist Camus said, Life is the sum of the choices we make. Are you making choices? Or are you simply reacting? Do you see the options? The two things, the three things, the four things, the five things, the six choices? When you feel you don't have very many choices, do you slow down and say, wait a minute, there are always more choices than are immediately apparent. Let me relax here and breathe and uh, expand my awareness, move into that alpha brainwave level, and begin to daydream of a third choice and a fourth option and a fifth possibility. This is where your power is. Your responsibility is little more than the ability to choose a response. Choose 
a response. Even if you feel you have no power in fighting the stimulus, fighting back against what's done to you, most people limit themselves to struggling against an inevitable circumstance. Instead, be the martial artist. Roll with it. Go with the flow and start looking at an alternative to opposing what's happening to you, which is to elegantly and gracefully consider how many options I have so that the power in your life, again, is what do I do with this situation? Not merely carping and whining and complaining about the initial half, the bit that was done to you. So what? See it as an opportunity to learn. Every negativity, every problem, every challenge is an opportunity for your life to become richer, more meaningful, and more wonderful, if we but bring that attitude with us to the situation. So number three in ways to know yourself is to be at choice to be responsible for choosing your response, able to choose a response. Uh, We're not talking about shifting blame from others to yourself. We're talking about abandoning the concept of blame altogether and empowering yourself by saying, I have some choices here. What I say to myself, the little process I go through when I feel like a victim, when I feel helpless, is number one, I say to myself, I have choices. Number two, there are always more choices than are immediately apparent. There are always more choices than the obvious ones right here in front of me. Number three, my choices are in the area of perception and response. I'm not going to fight the stimulus. My opportunity to to control, to influence, to, to persuade is probably past. I probably did all of that already. It's time to shift from... A, 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 um, a futile attempt to control what's being done to you to looking at how do I perceive this, what's my point of view, what's my perspective, perception, or attitude, and thirdly, what choices do I have in how I respond, and then substitute that even-tempered, well-reasoned response for what would have been a knee-jerk reaction that (laughs) more often than not makes things even worse. So I have choices. Number two, my choices, there's always more choices than are immediately apparent. Number three, my choice is not in controlling what's done to me, the stimulus. My choices are in my point of view, my perspective, and my response. Okay. And then, number four, I choose the choice, I choose the option or the alternative 
that is not only in my best interest, but for the greater good of all concerned. You always look for the win-win situation, for this and that rather than this or that. Okay, That's number three, choices, and a nice little four-step process for empowering yourself and, and give up that victim role, that helplessness, feeling like a target, and then trying to find from your friends some sort of sympathy for that. All right. Number four is called PMA. It's positive mental attitude. You can call this a vision because it has a primary relationship with self-esteem and self-love. Love and vision go together. You can call it goal setting. Um, you can call it positive thinking. It's an attitude. It's um, it's a perspective that is one of the choices that we can make in life. We can, I suppose, have a negative attitude and belief, like some cynics believe that there's value in being negative and and pessimistic and always expecting the worst. What these people usually fail to recognize is by expecting the worst, you generally tend to magnetize it. Life is a self-fulfilling prophecy in that we do indeed reap what we sow. We tend to go where we look, and we often get what we expect to get. So, Put your attention pessimistically on, on, on all the different ways your life could fall apart, and it's likely it will. The irony, then, is that the negative thinker now has evidence why he or she should be a negative thinker. See, uh, I told you this was going to happen. Pessimists get the advantage of being right a lot of the time. They're miserable, but <laughs> they're often right. I told you this would come apart. I told you this would never work. You people never listen to me, and I'm always here telling you what cannot be done and making sure it won't be done <laughs> with that funky attitude. right? So, yeah, you have to see the glasses half full. You have to see the opportunity even in your problems and your darkest of circumstances. It's always darkest before the dawn. That's a great old saying. We have to look into the heart of darkness, into the center of things unknown and scary, uh, to find the answers that we're looking for. You have to face your fears. So goal-setting, decision-making, problem-solving, critical thinking, you could call it common sense, except it's not very common. Knowing what you do want rather than merely trying to avoid what you don't want, is central to positive mental attitude. Always learning from your mistakes, learning from your oversights, finding an opportunity. Um, you know, the allegory of life as being a path or a roadway, um, it's, it, it is that, but it seems to go up and down and 
overall there's a lot of climbing involved. Uh, maybe a path up the mountain uh, is a, a metaphor you're more familiar with. And it certainly has its problems along the way. But stay positive. Stay goal-oriented. Be able to say, that's my goal. That's where I'm headed. I'm not sure how to get there, but I'm going to begin with the end in mind. That's a Stephen Covey line I really like a lot. Begin with the end in mind. You know, Mao, Mao said the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, but in which direction? If you have no goal, you have no direction. And let me assure you, if you haven't figured it out yet, avoiding what you don't want is not a replacement for moving toward what you do want. Avoiding what you don't want is not a goal. It's not a lifestyle. It doesn't work. All right, so number four is the positive mental attitude, PMA. We do a time check. It's the top of the hour. Um, number five is emotional management. Emotional management and emotional intelligence is absolutely essential to bridging the gap between personal development and spiritual development. You can't just do an end run around personal development and become a student of spiritual development because you have the right books on your shelf or because you go to yoga class every other Tuesday. Uh, that's not going to do it. There has to be a logical unfolding. You have to ironically develop the ego in order to transcend it. It's like rungs on the ladder. You have to know the ego self well enough to move beyond it and then appropriate it as like a little brother or a little sister that you need, but its job is to ride shotgun, not to drive the car. The problems we have is when we let the lower self, the fear-based self, drive the car when its job is shotgun. Its job is, I got your back, uh, I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder to make sure no danger sneaks up on you, but the higher self gets to drive the car. Emotional management is the means to get to that place. Unless and until we can use breathing, relaxation, meditation, and contemplation, to feel safe in the world, to access the brainwave levels that we've talked about, to develop our self-esteem, to be aware of the unlimited choices and options, permutations and variations and combinations that are always available to us and bring into play this positive mental attitude. None of that's going to work if we don't understand how to let go of our fear, our muscular tension, to manage our anger and our heartache, 
heal the emotional hurt and better understand why we feel the way we feel. To develop not only the IQ, but in many cases, even more importantly, the EQ, your emotional intelligence, requires emotional management skills. And the only way you're going to move from personal psychological development to philosophical or spiritual development. You've got to have this uh, area that I've numbered five in no particular order, emotional management. And finally, number six is motivation. Motivation or enthusiasm is a quality of emotion that is akin to love, to expectation, uh, to faith or belief. Um, but, but the funny thing about it is that, uh, again, it's got to be part of a transmutation or an uplifting from being unmotivated or frightened. So motivation or enthusiasm is really more than just psyching up. It's turning anxiety into passion, turning oh no into oh boy, turning fear into excitement. It's not... It's not a matter of let's ignore my fear and just get excited anyway. You've got to face the fear. <laughs> what am I afraid of? And then lift that by facing it from something you do not understand to something you do understand. And that realization, that insight, is what's going to create an upward spiral of motivation leading to a success which creates more motivation and more success and woo woo, here we go, chugga chugga chugga. This is where interest comes from, this is caring, curiosity, uh, uh, perseverance, uh, a sense of adventure. That's what's the difference between fear and excitement, right? Uh, they feel pretty much the same way in your body, but if you hold on to those feelings, you're going to report them as fear. If you breathe and let go of the very same feelings, stepping forward into them, you will call the experience of those same feelings excitement. So fear plus letting go creates excitement. And um, those are the six steps I wanted to present to you today, the six planks in the platform of how to know yourself, six easy ways, six different doorways or entry points into better understanding yourself. Self-esteem, brainwaves, choices, a positive mental attitude, emotional management, and motivation. Okay. And again, I do have a little handout. It's less than a page. I'll put it in a PDF file and uh, email it to you if you'd like to have it. Just send me an email at mb at Michael Benner. I'm sorry, mb at the ageless wisdom.
com. Even if you're listening to this podcast months later, right? It doesn't matter. Uh, send me an email, mb at theagelesswisdom.com and request the handout for the six ways to know yourself better. And uh, I'll return it to you. I'll fire it back to you. Okay. So let's see who has questions. If you're on the web, click on the little box that says Ask a Question. You can enter the text with your name and city there. And if you're on the telephone, press star 2 to raise your hand. And uh, we'll go to the phones in just a second. We have a lot of callers today. We have more callers this week than usual. That's good. I don't see any hands raised just yet, though, so we're looking for comments or questions. Let's go to the, where is my tab for the questions, the text questions here. And we'll see what folks have to say. All right, Carol's with us in La Habra. She says, hello, Michael. Uh, I asked Carol to check out the chat room. I forgot to mention to you guys that we have a chat room. And you might not even notice that because it's new as of just a few weeks ago. And Carol went in there. I asked her earlier this morning to pop in. She did, says it works, but she's the only one in there. So if you want to jump in the chat, I presume Carol's still in there. Uh, and can hear the program in there. You might want to say hi to uh, to Carol. Laurel Hatch is with us again this week and says, Aloha, Michael. I quit smoking a week ago and want to know if you had any tips for dealing with the withdrawals. Peace and love to you and Doreen. Lorelai. Well, first of all, let me congratulate you on what is an incredibly difficult addiction to break. If it's been a week, I think the best thing I can say to you is that as of day five, Lorelei, you were free of the physical addiction. Now, what you have remaining that will naturally wane all by itself is the psychological addiction. And that's a big part of the habit. But the good news is the physical addiction was over by the fifth day. What I'd suggest you do, in addition to reminding yourself that you're over the hump, is begin to, in a meditation or a series of little mini meditations, remind yourself of all the benefits that are going to um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A crew. There's got to be a better word than that. <laughs> that you will uh, enjoy. Uh, beginning with, I used to have a handout about this, like something like within uh, 20 minutes of smoking a cigarette, your blood pressure begins to normalize. And within two days, this benefit. And within a week, you get this benefit. And by the end of the first month, you have all these benefits already. But you'd have to do a little bit of Google research. I, I Let me look after the class today into uh, my files and see if I can come up with that. Because I have your email, Lorelei, and I'll send it to you. But you could also do a Google search with... Um, 
the American Cancer Society or some organization like that. Um, or just use keywords like cigarette smoking, uh, benefits, uh, quitting cigarettes, uh, health benefits from quitting cigarettes. Google it a couple of different ways and come up with a little list. And then review that list to remind yourself several times a day uh, how much better you're getting, that physically your body is healing, that already uh, every cell in your body is getting more oxygen, that every red blood cell that is carrying oxygen now is carrying more oxygen, where it was carrying oxygen with a bunch of smoke, right, and toxic chemicals, and now it's just oxygen. And think of living longer and being stronger. Think about waking up in the morning and being, this has probably begun to happen for you already, Lorelei, and if it hasn't, it will soon. After about a week or ten days off cigarettes, you start waking up in the morning awake. You don't have that groggy, um, half-awake, half-asleep feeling. You wake up and boom, you're awake, right? Wonderful feeling. Your energy level goes up. I would also suggest you uh, include in your visualization uh, seeing yourself as a uh, very much older person. Uh, a crone, you know, a grandmother or a great-grandmother surrounded by your grandchildren and great-grandchildren, whether they be many or few, the point is you've lived to uh, a wonderful mature age, uh, largely because way back in 2010, you quit smoking cigarettes. That's, I think, very a very cool deal. Um in terms of an immediate response to an urge for a cigarette, just use positive language and, a, and three slow, deep breaths. Um, even if you think it's not an urge, but just a thought in that direction. It's fascinating to watch how creative the mind can be in rationalizing, let's have another cigarette. You could just have one. After all, you're just starting to quit. Nobody's going to know. You don't have to tell them. It's amazing what the brain can put you through to try to get you to light another cigarette. So just to use positive language in response to that, okay, to say, I am healthy and strong. I love breathing oxygen and take a nice, full, slow, deep breath. You know, the best part of smoking the cigarette is the first hit. And that's because you take that big, slow, deep breath. And uh, Well, now that you're off cigarettes, do the same thing, but without the cigarette. Take <laughs> every time you want a cigarette, you feel an urge, or you just think in that direction. Three successive, slow, deep breaths, pulling in the wonderful feeling of strength and power as you inhale. And as you exhale... Imagine breathing out black, oily smoke and tar and toxins and poisons. This is an old Tibetan technique actually called Tan Glen, and it's great for non-smokers too. In comes the good air, out goes the bad air. Very cleansing, purifying kind of breath. Okay, uh, Just a few of the tips I can give you. Congratulations. And... Uh, 
it's probably the best thing you'll ever do for yourself. I look back on having quit smoking years ago, and I see it as probably the best thing I ever did for myself. And it's probably the hardest addiction to overcome. We can get people off meth and heroin more easily than we can get them off cigarettes. Um, it's tough. Let's uh, see who else we have. Um, John Bowles in Pittsburgh says, when it comes to choice, feeling stuck can be scary, and I feel like shutting down and making no choice. And then he quotes, if you choose not to decide, you've still made a choice, uh, from a tune called Free Will by Rush. Uh, thanks for the great class today. Yeah, choosing not to choose is still a choice. Can't really expand on that one. Don't need to. Thank you, John. Nice to hear from you. In Los Angeles, Patricia Vega says, Hello, Michael. Does not passion have a lot to do with being motivated? Uh, as always, great show. Yeah, passion is another word for enthusiasm. For uh, Let's see where I put passion back here in my list. Um Let's see, that would be the last one, motivation, enthusiasm, turning anxiety into passion. Yeah. Uh, promoting interest, caring, curiosity, perseverance, and a sense of adventure. You betcha, that's that's number six. Um, that's the excitement or the enthusiasm that helps with the perseverance. For example, what we were just talking to Lorelei about, persevering, when you quit smoking, you have to quit a hundred times. <laughs> you have to quit every time you get an urge. It's a powerful habit. Um, let's see. Oh, Carol says, uh, Diane came into the chat room. Thanks, Diane. So Carol and Diane are, are in the chat room having what probably is the very first chat we've ever done. So my understanding is that chat room is uh, available from 15 minutes before these classes and then throughout the class and of course you can hear the class when you go in there so know that that's available and if you want to join Carol and Diane now you can probably do that you see a button on the left of your web page obviously if you're on the phone a chat would not be available to you Robert in Irvine says I feel like uh, the progress in my life is just moving too slowly I find myself having anxiety attacks. Uh, I've been using the techniques you've taught, taking time out, doing the deep breathing, the meditations classes helped me make the changes in my life that are long overdue. Uh, thank you. Have a magical week. Well, maybe the only thing you need, Robert, is a little bit of patience. Um, life is moving too slow. Having, uh, but I find myself having anxiety attacks. Well, okay, if you're having anxiety attacks, I can understand the impatience. Uh, that's a horrible thing to have to deal with. And uh, I don't know from just, you know, having you share on a text message in a webinar like this. I can't, I'm not a psychic. Well, I am psychic, but that's not the way I work. <laughs> We're all psychic. But uh, I wouldn't presume to read you that way uh nevertheless without 
you know, guessing, uh, it's very likely that there's some something going on, some deep emotional trauma. There could be uh, it's very likely uh, stuff from childhood that's beginning to come up, particularly as a result of your meditation. Remember, as you develop yourself, it's often two steps forward and a step back. That meditation, which is developing love as consciousness, or developing consciousness as love, is going to flush up everything that is not love. It's going to bring up, like a reverse rotor rooter, everything that needs to be healed. Right. So this work is not about just getting away from our pain. It's going through it. And so you may want to consider some private sessions with me or with somebody else that you know um, or look for some other referral and um, get into some private one-on-one work to see if you can find um, the roots of this and accelerate that process. All right. And because I'm in Hawaii, of course, I'm, I'm working by the phone, but it works, you know, especially, especially once you close your eyes. Uh, you forget about the telephone, that's for sure. I do have a phone number that you can use 24-7, any one of you. Uh, it's an 818 number in Los Angeles. And... Uh, Again, you can call it any time of the day or night, leave a message, and I'll get back to you. It's in the 818 area code, 569 I'll say it that way, in the 818 uh, area code. And we'll set up a free intro. The intake session is always free. First one's free. And uh, talk about... Uh, what you think you could get from me, what you're looking for, I'll tell you what I think I can do for you. And then if you want to schedule something after that, you can. Let's go to Ohio and Pickerington, Ohio. John Donnelly with us today. Hello, Michael. He says, finally able to catch a live show on Sunday. Great program today. He says, I always listen via iPod on the uh, weekday runs. Oh, yeah. John's a runner, so he'll take the podcast, put it on his iPod, and then listen while he runs. He says, even in the winter. Cool. Thank you, John. And I hope your winter is not too bad. Uh, Let's see. Carol is back on saying, Diane wonders if the chat is open only during the webinar or all the time. I don't know. You guys will have to find out. Uh, I suspect... My understanding is it's open at least from 15 minutes before the class until the end of each class. It's possible that the chat is open from the time I set up the event on Thursday until the end of the class the following Sunday. But you'd have to have the link for that week's upcoming webinar to get into the chat room for that week, if you understand what I mean. Now, I'm glad you asked the question, because it reminds me to mention that we do have a social net. I'm going to um, I'm going to have to extend the recording time here. 
second to figure out where to go to extend. Yeah, here we go. I want to add a few minutes to the event so it doesn't time out. This gives me an opportunity to tell you about another chat that is available 24-7, and that's at our Ageless Wisdom social net. This is brand new. We've only got about 33 members. We just set it up a couple of weeks ago. It's like Facebook, but it's for students of the Ageless Wisdom, for people that come to this class or who listen to Focused Passion, um, people who used to listen to my radio show, um, my clients, my students, anybody interested in mysticism and metaphysics can go to the Ageless Wisdom social net. And the address for that is the w's.theagelesswisdom.ning, N-I-N-G, like Nancy, I-N-G, dot com. So my regular website is the w's.theagelesswisdom.com, but the social net is the w's.theagelesswisdom.ning.com. Go there and sign in. Well, you got to sign up the first time. Sign up and then sign in, totally free, and you'll find in addition to posting pictures and videos and entering the discussions, the different threads that are going on. Uh, there's a music player there with some cool programs. I put up my Jackson Brown interview, uh, another radio interview I did the other day, um, uh, my farewell interview on KPFK with Roy Tuckman is posted. And in addition to all of that, there is a chat room that's 24-7. So check that out, theagelesswisdom.ning.com. Sign up, bookmark it, sign in, and that chat room will always be available to you. Okay? Hope that makes sense. Sometimes it's a little intimidating with all these URLs and chat numbers and such. Okay, and uh, let's see. Oh, uh, in La Habra, Carol again, Lorelai, she wants to congratulate you. She says... Uh, have Lorelei tell herself that she's good enough to be a non-smoker and that things taste so much better, too. I quit 22 years ago. Yeah, eat an orange. <laughs> go to go buy some organic oranges, Lorelei. Uh, the, the, the best organic, most delicious fruit that you can think of, something you really love, and you'll be amazed at how different it tastes even after just a week of allowing your taste buds to heal. Uh, and then a couple of weeks after that, and so on and so forth. Let's go to, um, I, I do have some callers, but I'm concerned about time. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to do the visualization now. Again, click star two if you want to, if you want me to pick up. Uh, Robert is on here. I talked to Robert the last two weeks in a row. He's willing to talk. Robert's always got good stuff for us. And I got another one here, too. Uh, so just hang in there, you guys. Let's do the visualization and see if we can pick you up on the end of the call. Again, 
if you've already pressed star two, don't do it a second time because that'll lower your hand. But, well, you have a voice prompt that tells you where you're at. So star two if you want to raise your hand for question or comment. We'll come back to this if we have the time. Close your eyes right now. I want to do this visualization exercise. Get nice and comfortable. Fluff up the pillows. Sit up straight, but not rigid. Close your eyes. Do a few head rolls and a couple of shoulder shrugs. and Think of your head and your shoulders and your spine being in perfect alignment. Feeling safe and relaxed. Begin to take two or three nice, slow, deep, connected breaths. Even exaggerate it. Pulling in strength and power as you fill your lungs all the way. Then as you exhale, feel the letting go from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. As you exhale all the way, all the way out. Do that a few times. And then allow your breathing to find its own natural rhythm. its own autopilot cadence. And put your attention on the bottom of your nose at the very point where breath enters and leaves the body. And spend the first few moments simply watching your body breathe itself. This is a great exercise if you wanted to do this and nothing else for 5 or 10 or 15 minutes or more. It's a wonderful form of contemplation to simply watch your body breathe itself all by itself, freeing you to be aware of yourself as awareness. Aware of your free will, your volition, the choice that you have to focus on your breathing, to decide what you're going to have for dinner tonight, or to arrange your to-do list for the next week, for the upcoming week. Right now, I'd like to suggest that you choose simply to watch your breath and feel yourself going even deeper and becoming even more relaxed, feeling even safer as you experience the letting go feelings in your body, muscles unwinding and relaxing stress and tension falling away like armor. 
You may even wish to imagine yourself in a beautiful place of perfect peace, visualizing a forest or a sunny meadow, a mountaintop or a deep valley, maybe a lonely beach, prairie or desert. You dream it up. But make it beautiful and peaceful and safe. Allow my voice to go with you, but hear birds singing and the wind in the trees. And just like a movie, you know you're making it up. And so you tell yourself this is exactly the right feeling to pretend that I'm hearing birds singing in the wind in the trees. But Michael's going to guide me through this. And this is exactly what I want to do to feel safer and more relaxed with every moment. Now, at this point, the frequency of your brain waves has fallen into the alpha brain wave level. If you find yourself being distracted, nervous, thinking about other things, take a breath, and as you exhale, Feel the letting go. Feel safe and relaxed. And perhaps even count backward from ten to one as you imagine going down the staircase deeper and more relaxed. Deeper and deeper, becoming more relaxed as you count down to one. Feeling even more relaxed than before. And eventually you'll be able to focus your attention easily and effortlessly, indicating the presence, your presence, in the alpha brainwave level. If the visualization gets particularly vivid, the pictures in your mind become dreamlike. Then you're in theta, just a little deeper. And that's okay. That's fine. And we come here to remember that we have choices. That life is a two-way street and that what is happening to us is only part of the story. It's all that most people dwell upon, but you're learning to go beyond what's done to you and examine how you look at it and what you choose to do with it. And you tell yourself silently and internally but affirm within, I have choices in how I look at this, my point of view or my attitude, and how I choose to respond to it. That's up to me. Rather than focusing only on controlling or fighting back and struggling with the stimulus, 
I'm going to sidestep that, like the matador. Just let the bull blow on by me <laughs> and put my attention on my point of view and my response. That's what you did when you stepped aside and let the bull blow by you. <laughs> I have choices. Just tell yourself I have choices in the alpha brainwave level. I can substitute even-tempered, well-reasoned responses for knee-jerk reactions. Add to that the simple affirmation that you trust yourself and you respect yourself and you have confidence in yourself and that nobody can take that away. There is street jargon about somebody dissing you if they say the wrong thing or even look at you in the wrong way. Some people will complain that they've been disrespected. How could that affect you without your permission? How could you be disrespected without buying into it or at least being confused about it? So if you respect yourself, no one can disrespect you. If you have self-trust and self-confidence, self-esteem, nobody can take that away. But the self and self-respect and self-trust and self-confidence and self-esteem, that self should be capitalized. It's not the ego, which is fear-based. It's the higher self, which always comes from love and understanding. And remind yourself the importance of having a positive mental attitude, seeing the glass is half full, looking at what other people might call a mistake or even failure and saying, there's an opportunity here for me to learn something. And if I gather up my successes and blend them with what I've learned from those circumstances that weren't so successful and I persevere how could I fail and that perseverance is motivation enthusiasm it's passion, as Patricia said. Tell yourself you have that. That you believe in yourself. Remember the story I tell sometimes about the sign in the restaurant that advises you to chew your food well. If you don't, who will? I always get a kick out of that. Chew your food well. If you don't, who will? This is your job. If you don't believe in yourself, if your attitude is not positive, if you don't trust and respect and have confidence in yourself, who else is going to? And finally, remember emotional management, the whole idea 
that meditation, contemplation, introspection, visualization, the alpha process, biofeedback, progressive muscular relaxation, autogenics, a massage, whatever you call the letting go of physical tension. It not only shifts brain waves, it not only tends to favor a point of view where you see yourself as responsible cause rather than helpless effect, but it brings online a quality of intuition that allows you to understand your emotional intelligence, what your feelings tell you. Not what upset, disturbed feelings tell you, but what you can learn from your emotions when they're calm and still, like a glass lake, undisturbed. Now set a little goal for yourself, just something small, something you can do today or tomorrow, something you can easily accomplish by the end of this week, something you've been meaning to do for a long time, but you've been putting it off. Not because it's hard, just because just you're busy, just because it's one of a whole bunch of things. And so which one do you choose? The one that occurred to you just now? The one little task that bubbles up into your awareness now. Whether it's obviously your top priority or seems to be not such a big priority, the fact that it bubbled up first, trust that impression and set a goal. This task, this to-do item, I will complete today, tomorrow, by the end of the week, you choose the deadline, but make it within the next week. So that a week from today, when you listen to this class, that one thing will be accomplished. And if, like Robert, you sometimes feel like you're not moving fast enough, a week from today during this class you can remind yourself, well, I got that one thing accomplished. There's one thing you'll be able to bring to mind. So, instead of reasoning your way through it or logically deducing which of those tasks need doing, let it bubble up like those little bubbles in the champagne that effervesce. Let it and go with that one. That one right there, that one. (laughs) Do that today or tomorrow, certainly by the end of this week. See yourself doing it. And feel the feeling in your body of moving through it. You'll probably feel the resistance, the slowdown, the oh no, that has prevented you from getting it done. Don't be afraid of that. Allow that to come up. Look at it. In fact, embrace it. Embrace it. Move into it. Comfort the part of you that's afraid to step forward and accomplish this task, attain this goal, as you would a 
a, a small child after a bad nightmare. You just embrace them, you hug them, you rock them, you whisper reassuring words. It was just a dream. Everything's going to be okay. Your fear is merely a nightmare. Take a breath and relax. And then see yourself accomplishing it. What do you need to do today or tomorrow to get this done? See yourself finishing it by the end of the week. Maybe even by the end of today. And anticipate right now how wonderful that's going to feel. Rehearse this whole process in this level of mind so that it's easier to accomplish in the physical world. Rehearse it in your mind's eye. See yourself doing now this thing that you've been putting off. Embracing your fears, your worries, your anxieties, your nervousness about what might happen. How will you know unless and until you step into it? And finish with a picture in your mind of having accomplished this little task. Imagine someone handing you uh, a trophy or or (laughs) an award for accomplishing it. Uh, Some of us are more auditory than visualized. Hear a crowd cheering, yay, you got that done. Right, right. Feel that enthusiasm in your body. Motivate yourself by how it feels to succeed, to accomplish, and to move forward in spite of your anxieties and fears made out of things unknown. Nightmares of what has never happened. And then bring that positive feeling of accomplishment and success with you effortlessly back into the room, remembering now with eyes still closed what you'll see in a moment when you open your eyes, wide awake and alert. And then inhale now, slowly breathe in, fill your lungs. As you exhale, open your eyes wide awake and alert, feeling rested and refreshed. Wide awake and alert, feeling fine, knowing what you're going to do today or tomorrow and the next day to accomplish this one little thing in your life by pulling on these six easy ways to know yourself. Okay. Well, it's already, uh, my goodness, almost 10 out of 11 of. And so I'm going to back out of here, and thank you for listening, and thank you for attending the class today. Uh, I, I very much appreciate it. I, I love doing this. Look forward to it every week. Uh, this program, and of course, Steve comes by a couple of times a week, and we do the Finding Yourself in Paradise program. I want to remind you again to go to that website and at least leave us an email. Even though you're already getting the newsletter or you know I have your email, leave it at the Focused Passion site so you can get a free account and access the six programs that are already in the built-in player there, four of which are these really powerful and effective how-to-learn programs. If you're a student now or if learning is a lifestyle for you as an adult, 
you're going to want these programs. They're free. All we need is an email from you. Go get the free account. And then if you ever decide, you can purchase programs from the archives for 99 cents. You can subscribe for 99 cents a week, 3.96 a month, and really enjoy not only that series we call Finding Yourself in Paradise, but knowing that you're helping us to do all of this work. You're really providing this free podcast and webinar, The Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, and all of the articles on both websites, and the chat room and the social net. Okay, We really appreciate that. So sign up and sign in at focusedpassion.com. At least leave an email address in your name so we can get you the free account. Listen to those six programs. Subscribe or unsubscribe. Resubscribe anytime you want. And check out this new social net. Sign up today. It's uh, theagelesswisdom.ning.com for the social net. N-I-N-G. The W's dot theagelesswisdom.ning.com. I'm going to go over there now and check out the chat room, see if there's anybody in there. And that chat's available 24-7. Plus, as I say, there's an MP3 player. You can post photos and videos. Once you sign up and sign in, you can um, play around with your page and set it up any way you want. The main page, the link that says main page, is the one that everybody sees in the same way, but you'll have your own personal page as well. All of that free. Again, thank the subscribers at Focused Passion for our new social net, theagelesswisdom.ning.com. All right, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to get another cup of coffee, and then I'm going to head over there. So hope to see you. Sign up and sign in. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. From Maui, Hawaii, this is Michael Benner. Aloha.